Hello, Wildcats, and thank you for joining us. This is the Word to the Wildcat podcast. My name is Tommy Fernandez. My pronouns are he, him, his, or my name. And joining me, as always, is Aureli Ruiz. What's up, Wildcats? My name is Anna Ruiz. My pronouns are she, her, as. And this is episode three of season four. And today's theme is professional management. Yeah, that's right. And we are very excited to have Emma Cotto joining us today. She graduated from CWU in 2019 and is now currently working as a kindergarten teacher. So, Emma, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to tell a little of the Wildcats a little about yourself? So, I am Emma Cottle. I am a CWU grad of 2019. My major was in elementary education and a minor in accessibility studies where I learned how to cater to um, best support each learner in the classroom. I have been a kindergarten teacher for the past two years and I love every single moment of it. I pride myself on um, being a lifelong learner and now I'm continuing my education through Eastern Washington University and summer of 2021, I will be receiving my master's in early childhood education. There we go. That's awesome. And you have been teaching for two years, as you said, and you've been teaching for at quite a young age. What was that like? You know, first time in the classroom, given your age, you know, all around all these kids. Um, so it was very difficult at first. It was um, just kind of a challenge, but I needed to tell myself I have all my degrees. I have all my knowledge and my background skills for it. And I'm especially young for being a teacher. I got my AA when I was 18. I student taught when I was 19 and I got my degree when I was 20. So I entered the workforce, not even um, being able to legally drink. <laughs> and so it was definitely different, but I just needed to assure myself that I have the degrees. I'm professionally ready for this. Um, like I've done my EdTPA. I've gone through everything that I needed to and that I'm ready for it. And it's, it's, I think half the battle was telling myself that I was, I needed to be ready for this. And um, also because with my confidence and if I come in and I have all my stuff together, then parents are gonna see that too. Administration is gonna see that too. And so I think just hyping myself up and doing well and having all my stuff and together has helped me for success. I think that's great, Emma. For those of you who don't know, Emma's one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to teaching. As I'm student teaching, I always ask her all the questions because, I mean, I think she hit a huge point right now talking about being young and trying to be a professional. I mean, she entered the workforce a lot younger than uh, I am. I'm student teaching at 23, and I still feel like my age is a huge factor when trying to contribute to the conversation or trying to address administration because I don't know if you experienced this Emma but just trying to talk to the principals admins even your mentor teacher it's it's intimidating because a lot of them they have a lot of years of experience so I was wondering how has your maybe your view of professionalism impacted how you started off like did you think that this is professionalism this is what I need to do in order to be a teacher or did you just try to be your most authentic self like from the get-go I had a background of education. My mom's a teacher. Um, and so I kind of knew how the education workforce were, looked like, sounded like, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I honestly just went in and I said, I'm new at this and asked some questions when I had questions. And I've also learned that through education, a lot of it is evolving and it's constantly changing. So a lot of um, 
administration and my mentor teacher and other people, they're looking for new voices on how can we modify instruction to best support each learner. And so you go in with your ideas and you're always there to um, just talk to each other and collaborate with other people. Now, and we mentioned administration, but one thing for me when I was growing up, I used to be, I used to ref basketball games. And the one thing that I kind of had the most problem with wasn't like my boss or anything, it was actually like the parents, because they would just see me as this kid going in like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's calling the game. But for you being a teacher at that age, I bet at some of those parent-teacher conferences, they might have looked at you like, hmm, this, she's pretty young for what she's doing. So what was your reaction to all that? Um, I think my biggest thing that kind of, um, like parents would look at me and they would think that I'm young, but my biggest thing that I came in with was I'm prepared. You know, I'm young, but I have all my degrees. I have all these things and I'm here to best support your child. And I think that's what parents want to hear. Like the loudest in the room is that their child is welcome and that we're here to meet them where they're at and not focusing on like the classroom, but focusing on your specific child. Um, and so like it does pose a challenge, but you need to be there and just say, we're not here to talk about my age. We're not here to talk about like my background, but we're here to best support your child. And here's what we're doing. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of what Tommy was saying, has there ever been like a story that you can share with us, whether it be administration, a colleague, a person within the building, or even a parent that's like really just challenged you based off of how young you present yourself or how young you are and the way you're able to prevent like present yourself professionally not specifically dealing with my age so I had a colleague last year tell me that you're going to get a lot of parents that question you because you don't have kids because they know what's best for their child they have a kid and I don't have a child so I can't speak to that I speak a lot to nieces and nephews but that's not having like a child personally. But um, I think I just counteract that with, I'm here to best support each child, but it's definitely happened where parents have said like, or this is what's best for my child. And then it's been kind of questioned, like, do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> How would you like describe yourself as a professional, like in, in the classroom? Um, a professional in the classroom, I'm always there for each and every learner to create equity and access, no matter what, regardless, and no matter what's going on, you're always focusing on to develop the whole child, so their social emotional learning and their academic learning as well, you want to meet each child where they're at, and just carrying that through with every message you send to families with every mes message you give to admin or your colleagues is what can we do best for children what is going to support each and every learner in our classroom. Um, just so I know that Emma and I have had this conversation, I'm pretty sure Tommy's heard us talk about this Emma beforehand, is we always discuss just in general, how the profession of teaching does not get the respect it deserves for being uh, or seen. They don't, people don't see us as professionals or seeing us to have a certain level of professionalism just because what we use building, like building materials, manipulatives, they think it's toys and that we work with children, that doesn't mean that we're professional. But I personally think that is probably one of the most difficult professions to be professional in just because you do have to deal with parents, you do have to deal with administration, you do have to deal with children. So I kind of want to just talk about that for a second, Emma, if you want to just 
go ahead and say what you got to say about that because I know we've had plenty of talks about this. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the I think the pandemic really shone a light on how people feel about education because right when we shut down in March, I'm getting emails from everyone saying how we love teachers. We're here to support you. Um, anything you need is perfect. And then come August, September, when we're saying we're doing remote, like, well, you're not doing enough for our kids. You need to support them. And I don't think people that aren't involved in the education world, they don't see all the behind the scenes. They don't see us take our laptops home. They don't see us buy extra manipulative materials for students when they need it. Um, and so I, I think a way to counteract that is to be really open and honest with families and show them everything that goes on in your classroom. And so what we did pre-COVID was I had parent volunteers come in for literacy learning. And the, I just remember one parent, she's like, oh, it's just kindergarten during like our family connections meeting. And then she came in and saw how much learning we're doing, how much I've implemented in management. And she's like, oh my gosh, kids are learning. They're actually doing things. It's not just kindergarten. And so I think having families just see what's going on or people in the community see what's going on. And then they truly like, I think it would be a different dialogue or conversation. Yeah, and you brought the pandemic and I mentioned this to Aurelia multiple times. One thing is like you had to change your whole approach to how you teach because teaching in person, teaching online, obviously different. But even for some of the kids, like, you know, some parents are on top of their kids 24 seven, you know, you're reading, you know, keeping on track, making sure they're at their age level. But there are some kids where like, all they did was, you know, play games or went outside. So they weren't at the same level. So how did you like have to manage that? It was completely different, like in March compared to what it was in September, because March you're dealing with, or I guess in September, we had families like if you're registering for kindergarten, you kind of know what you're signing up for at that time. Because, you know, you're putting your kid in kindergarten, you know, we're going into online learning that you're going to have their child's going to need to sit and attend in front of a computer and do all this asynchronous learning. But in March, it was like we took attendance once a week and they just had to log on to any learning app. They had to attend any Zoom meeting, even if their microphone and their camera was off. And so I think it, I'm not sure, it opened up like a, another dialogue or a conversation between like, what can we do to reach each and every learner? And it turned into uh, teachers kind of flipping up education. Like, what can we do? How many things can we put online for kids just to access? And if they access one thing, then we know that they've succeeded. So it was a challenge to balance everything and try to figure everything out yeah and I don't know who's calling y'all not professional for teaching because you should just show them all the work you did here at Central because that's one thing that even my partner she she is in teaching as well and just seeing your curriculum and all what professors pushed on you it's incredible that y'all are able to stay afloat and manage being a student at the same time because I've seen some of those assignments I'm like thank god I didn't choose teaching but <laughs> It's definitely a lot of work, but it's like you put in so much work, but it's so rewarding. You see the kids smile, you see them learn and grow. It's all worth it. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy how much we do. And I wish my workload was less, but I mean, it's, I love my job. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. That's something that I just really admire because 
I mean, one, I feel like just in general professionalism, most of the time when you think of a professional, we think of the stereotypical suit and tie, always on the grind, always having back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings. And I feel like even then, people don't give teachers the credit that they deserve because that's literally what we do. We may not wear suit and tie, but we have back-to-back meetings with our teachers or our administration or our students. Those are meetings in themselves. And then we have to just keep growing. And I feel like Emma spoke to this to like a T is that it's an evolution. Like you're always growing, you're always learning. And I feel like that in general is speaking so much of professionalism as a whole, because if you are stagnant in your thinking in terms of professionalism and you're just thinking automatically, oh, I'm a professional just because I have uh, this director title or the CEO, I have it all made, cool. Um, I feel like there's going to be no growth, no progress. And I feel like that in general, teachers are making the growth and they're making the progress for the next generation. But again, I'm biased. So I don't know if y'all want to say anything about that. So when I think about that, it's I've seen teachers before and they're burnt out. They don't want to learn more and they're just kind of stagnant. And then it shows with their students. They don't have that level of learning. But I think we need to have that mindset, I think in any profession, but especially in teaching, we need to practice what we preach with kids. We always say I can do hard things. I'm a problem solver. I can keep going. It's going to be a great day. Like I will not give up. We're we're teaching them that growth mindset. I think especially in teaching, we need to have that. We need to be able to say, okay, I'm going to step back. What I did did not work. And I need to completely redo what I'm doing. And it's not something where you should take it like as a hardship. It's just like, okay, I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to use my growth mindset and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Did y'all hear about the, what's the test called really? The N, sorry for The NTPA. Yeah, what are your thoughts about that no longer being the case, having to take it for two minutes? Um, so I was a person that actually loved the TPA. I know that's kind of like a real shocker when I say that to people, but I honestly think like it was that growth mindset. I was able to sit down. I was able to film myself and say, what can I do better next time? What can I do to support each and every learner? But I also address or see that there's inequities with a lot of it. You have to pay $300 out of pocket for it. And it might be like disadvantaging people of lower socioeconomic statuses, which are primarily people of color. And so I see the reasoning behind why we need to, or they kind of abolished it, got rid of it. Um, but I definitely think that in the future, there should be some sort of program where teachers should be able to sit and reflect upon themselves before, or teacher candidates should sit and reflect before they can actually be teachers. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as Emma, just because I, I'm not the fan, I'm not a fan of the ETP. I'm going to be completely blunt and honest. I'm not a fan at all. But I am a firm believer in assessment. Assessment is probably one of the primary tools that I use in my classroom to guide my learning. That is what you're supposed to do, in my opinion, is not just plan things, but know where the end goal is and work your way backwards and continue to grow. I feel like that is how we learn, just by making sure we get there, we try out our skills, we get it done, and then we check to see what we got wrong, what we failed at, and we can go back rework it and we can just think about it again. I feel like 
what Emma is talking about in terms of reflection. I'm a firm believer in reflective teaching. And I think that every profession should have some level of reflection just because if you don't reflect, what are you actually doing? Like you're just going through the motions. You're already used to what you're doing. There's no real growth in my opinion when you don't reflect. So I think that there should be an assessment for teacher candidates, but I don't think it should be the EdTPA, but that is just my opinion. I, mm -hmm. I just don't know about the whole, like I understand the filming behind it. I understand the, the commentary and reflecting in that way. But personally for me, that is not how I reflect. I reflect through conversations. I reflect through feedback. I don't like watching myself on video, but I understand the purpose behind it. It's just everyone, we all just have to figure it out for a different assessment in my opinion but again EdTPA not my mm -hmm. favorite yeah and I was a test retaker I had an invalid code on my assessment the first time around so I had to pay the initial 300 and then I had to retake section three or task three and so that was an additional hundred out of pocket um but like I loved the reflection piece of it I mean, again, like Aureli said, I am not going to watch myself on video, or I do not like watching myself on video, hearing my voice back, seeing how I'm moving, but I think it was so beneficial to see how I interacted with students. And it's like, okay, what can I do next time to best support these learners? Or even next year when I teach that same lesson, what's something I'm going to put a sticky note in my binder for saying like, next time, make sure... I don't know, you explain your learning target more or cover that content cognitive dictionary or the vocab words more. And as I think reflection was the biggest piece that I took away from that TPA. Yeah, and even though we may not like looking at ourselves, I kind of think of like the, what are they called? Like the, I'm not a football fan, but like the sports replays or whatever. And like people just rewatch those and keep yeah. looking and finding the little things that they could have been like, oh, I could have done better. I could have done this. I mean, it's technically like the same thing. I just think of different professions. I don't know. This is just a random thought. Just thinking about like, like our job right now, Tommy, when do we ever record ourselves? I mean, well, technically right now, but like. We record ourselves like two times this week, so. Uh, not like that. I don't mean it like that. I mean more of the sense of like when we're putting on a program, do we actually go and record ourselves as we're planning the program? Are we, are we recording ourselves like as we communicate, how could we have communicated better? I mean, there's a certain level of that, but like watching it in video is weird. I can reflect on the email I sent and be like, oh, okay, I didn't really say that right. I should reword it next time I send it out or something, but not like recording, but that's again, my two cents. I don't know. Yeah. And, and when you're evaluating yourself too, you're going to be the hardest critic, you know, and when we go watch these things through, you know, we're always like, oh, stop it. That's embarrassing. Let's not. Oh yeah. We always do that for these mm -hmm. podcasts. Yeah. yeah. I like that was with my Ed PTA video. My mom and I sat down and we were both watching it. And I was like, I can't just like, I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this wrong. And at the time she was an administrator and she goes, no, you're doing a great job. You're just really critical of yourself. Cause I think we are our hardest critics. We live inside our brain all the time. We are looking back and we're reflecting on the words that we just spoke and our, our actions that we're doing. And we're like, why are we doing that? That was just kind of odd that I said that. And so I think reflective teaching from yourself is good but also hearing from other people too because you're going to be your harshest critic 
and you might not see positives that you're doing. You might not see, oh, I did a really good job explaining um, the learning target or giving a student help when they needed it. But like, we're not gonna see that, but somebody who watches the video or sees us teach will go, oh no, you're doing that instinctively. You're doing a great job. And I also think it's good to hear positive praise from other people, but <laughs> I, it's, it's beneficial for us to be reflective as well as others. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, how was it like, like with your mom giving you like, kind of being your mentor in a sense, like, like, yeah, she's administration. Yeah, she's your mom. Yeah, she's a teacher. But like, in terms, I'm sure she was a mentor in some former capacity. How, what's your opinion? Because I feel like a lot of the time when we think of like that hardcore professional, I'm a professional type of idea. A lot of us, it's like the underdog that went at it alone, didn't have any help. They just kind of went straight through it and didn't need help from anyone they isolated themselves and I feel like that's not realistic in my opinion so I kind of want to get y'all's take you and Tommy like what are your thoughts on that idea do you want to go first TR yeah, yeah. Okay. okay so I think in teaching or any job you need to work with people around you there is no way that your students are gonna learn in a classroom without collaborating with peers. Uh, my mom's my best friend. We teach right next to each other. We're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. Like, hey, did you try this with students? No, I didn't, let me try that. And I think even if it wasn't my mom, I, I'm there and I'm talking with other people because in my mind, I might not have the best practice. Like somebody else could be doing something that I think or that is, beneficial for students I'm like oh I need to go and take that I need to go and implement that and we also pre-COVID we did response to intervention which is like students would bounce around into different groups and we would have to rely on our teammates to take students and teach them in different groups like high medium low to meet them where they're at and so I think collaboration is huge if you're in your own little bubble and you're not talking to other people you're not going to learn, you're not going to grow, and you might be doing something that's not beneficial, and it's not working. So I think just collaboration is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And then going off what Emma said, I think that just like thinking that you can do it all by yourself, just a small way of thinking. You know, coming into college, I tell you, you need a network, network, start meeting people, building up your inner circle. And I think that just, that just applies, because there's going to be days where you're not going to know the answer. So you aren't going to reach out for help, you're going to see things that help people do it and you're going to be like, oh, well, that's how I can do it. And I think it's just going to help you in the long run instead of stressing yourself out to the point where it's like, I can't do this, but then that's because you have no one to support. Yeah, I agree. I genuinely think like right now that I'm in student teaching, like my biggest support system is my mentor teacher. And like, I have met her before, but it wasn't like interactions with one another because I was in a different second grade classroom. She was just a part of the team. So I knew of her, I knew about her but I didn't know her. And like, I just had to do a lesson today. And Emma, your words are very encouraging because I don't think I did the best job just because it was my first time having my mentor teacher in the room with me. And it made me a little bit more nervous because I've had to teach lessons before when she wasn't there, but this time it was a little bit different. And so it was a little nerve wracking. I went a little too long and whatnot. She gave me some great feedback that I wouldn't have really considered beforehand because to me, timing is everything, but I never thought about when I was planning the length. So when she told me all of that, I was like, okay, 
next time I'm going to do this. And then me just reflecting upon my, um, my lesson and how the students were assessed and how they managed the workload. It definitely made me think of what's the next step? What am I going to do to support these students, especially thinking of where they're coming from in terms of behavior, behavior or just uh, cognitive abilities. It's just really interesting. And yes, I will definitely be taking everything you just said and asking my mentor teacher a ton more questions come Monday. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> Emma, you might get an email from me too. Be like, hey, can you watch this and tell me how I did? Yep. Mm -hmm. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> so it's no question that being a teacher involves a lot of like outside the classroom, you're not just working for the, you know, class day. Cries a lot of work, what I'm trying to say. But how do you like manage like that in your personal life too? Because we, we, we're all at a young age, we're just graduating, we're thinking about the future, you know, thinking about all the big adult purchases we're about to be spending. So how do you like manage all of that and make sure you don't burn out? Um, so I am gonna be honest, it's hard. It's really hard to find a balance because with teachers, we're paid for our contracted time and we're not really paid outside of that. And I found myself my first couple months of teaching, wanting to be in the classroom early, wanting to be in it late, taking work home, doing all these things. And I think I needed to tell myself that the work will be there tomorrow. You know, my work will be there tomorrow. It'll be there next week. And the beginning of the year, I do a lot of front loading with students. And we do a lot of like, here's our routines, our procedures. Every day we're gonna do, I don't know, rainbow writing, something else, something else. And so I have all those materials planned and prepped where it's just a complete cycle. And after the first kind of couple months, we're in a routine. Students are in a routine with how they're managed or how we do our classroom management. And then I have everything kind of managed on my end where I can take out one page, put it in for next week into my bins. Um, and then I, once I'm out of the classroom, I, I try not to talk about it. I mean, um, my partner might disagree because he says that's all I talk about, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I definitely try to just say, I need time for myself. I need to step away from my work and I need to just shut my laptop. And it's also difficult now because, you know, I'm going to school for my master's. So it feels like I'm shutting my work laptop and opening up my, my master's homework. And I think just having a balance where it's like, okay, everything needs to be shut. I need to turn off all my electronics and I just need to sit and talk to someone or I'm going to sit and I'm going to make a dinner. And that's why I probably cook a lot. Like, um, I think you guys have seen it before. Like, I'll just come over to Ellensburg and it's like, okay, I made bread for everyone or I made mac and cheese, <laughs> but like, I think that's kind of therapeutic to me. I found something where I can step away and I can just do something for myself or for other people and not think about work. So I think just like the little compartments in your brain, you tell yourself like, okay, work is work. It will be there tomorrow. I'm going to go and do this. And this is for myself so I can calm and I can de-stress and actually prepare myself because you can't run on an empty engine or an empty tank, right? Empty engine, tank? I don't know anything about cars. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's tank, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, gas tank. It's not, it's not a <laughs> Whichever it is, you just need to make sure that we're taking care of our cars and ourselves. Mm-hmm. But really quick, Emma, is there any advice, whether it be Central student or even just specifically like ed majors at Central, do you have any advice for them right now? Any advice? Don't be afraid. Like, don't. Like if something is, I don't know, my student teaching was kind of wonky. I had a teacher that didn't have super strong management and she like, it was, it was difficult. I had to go in and I had to completely redo classroom management. I had to bring out Harry Wong's Dancy Dancy first hundred days of school and talk about what to do. And I started from scratch with students. And so it was difficult. And I think my biggest thing is like, if something's wrong, you reach out or you ask for help. So if something isn't like you're feeling uncomfortable and whatever you're doing in your teaching and life, you need to reach out to somebody and you need to say like, I need help. How do I do this? How do I structure this? Because that collaboration piece again, if you're stuck in your own world, you might be doing something wrong. You might get yourself in a rut. You need to speak out and you need to ask for help in the most positive way. Like you just need to ask for help with others. That's some pretty solid advice, I would say. Mm-hmm. Something I needed to hear, friend. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm like, honestly, if anyone reached out to me about an education question, I'm more than happy to just say, hey, do you want to have a phone call? Do you want to like text about it? And I am pretty much a person that's like, hey, if you need help, I'm more than willing to help out. I might not have the answer, but I can direct you to somebody who might. And so. I know. Always use your resources. Use your friends, use admin, use professors. I know there's times I'll reach out to professors still and just say like, hey, thanks for teaching me this. I have a quick question and they'll totally get back to me. So I think it's just important Important to like, like TR was saying, you know, or Tommy was saying, you have your network and you connect with your network. From day one, everyone you meet, it's an interview. You need to have those connections and then you have a network of people you can reach out to if you're struggling. Well, Emma, we appreciate your insights. And just once again, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And also thank you to Wildcast for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to hear more, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts or YouTube at Word to the Wildcat. If you're interested in any other amazing programs that the CLC has to offer, check out our website at ciwu.presence.io and follow our social media pages. One more thing. Also remember, you can receive credit towards earning your WLA certificate by simply listening to the podcast and doing a quick assessment. You can learn more about that at the CLC website that Riley just mentioned. But with that being said, please join us again next time, Wildcats. I'm Tommy. And I'm Arely, and this has been Words to the Wildcats. <laughs>